Hello, and welcome to Knoll Country for Old Men. We're a podcast about board games, tabletop role-playing games, and tabletop war games. I'm your host, Troy, and I've been doing these intros for long enough that I think I've got them down. Also, my pronouns are he, him. Joining me today is Ed. Oh boy, I'm the other one. My pronouns are they and them. Uh, I don't have any pithy jokes this week. I definitely don't have that down. Need to work on that. Like a dwarf needs to work on smoothing the cavern that they're going to be living in. Well, currently everybody just decided to all rush outside and grab a bunch of wood stockpiles for some reason. You gotta build beds with wood. Yep. We're talking about Dwarf Fortress in this instance, which is a topic that we'll probably cover, I think, in two weeks. I mean, honestly, considering that they're dwarves, I'm surprised that you can't make beds out of rock. Beds are one of the few things that require wood. Um, once you get a little further, you can cut down the giant mushrooms in the tunnels below, and that's a better way to get wood, because some of the giant mushroom wood uh, is more valuable than most normal woods. Yeah. Also, it doesn't make wood. the elves mad at you. <laughs> well, the elves don't seem to care much, because there's a lot of elves in my fortress right now. I have almost as many dwarves as I do elves for some reason. That's weird. Um, But yeah, the nearby elven civilizations don't like it if you cut down a lot of trees. And can get mad at you and declare war if you do too much of it. Um, But that's for an episode in a couple of weeks. This week, we are talking about magic systems. Sweet Magic the Gathering. No. We talked about Magic the Gathering before when we did our episode on uh, collectible card games. Magic systems are essentially the way that magic is presented and used in a fantasy setting and in a role-playing game or tabletop war game or um, board game. I mean, less so board games because magic in board games is just tied directly into what ever the board game's specific rules are. The cards are the magic. Cards are the magic. Dice are the magic. Whatever. uh, Magic in board game systems is just an element of the board game. It's not as debatable and setting interesting as magic in role-playing games and war games is. So we're going to talk about that. There are, I would say, three general categories of magical systems. Um... That are, there's three categories of magic systems from like a internal setting logic perspective. And then four like types of systems from a game mechanics uh, perspective. And we'll talk about all of these things. And we'll talk about some weird offshoots and some weird different ones and some uh, interesting setups. But before we really get into that, we have a segment on this podcast called The Weekend Hobby, where we talk about what we've done the last week or two, in this case, in hobby. Ed, why don't you go first? Oh, boy. Uh, Most of it was spent playing Magic Arena. Um, For some reason, this time of year, it just feels like magic time. I don't really know why. It's just the way it is. Um going kind of okay. I 
built a deck that's no longer my really stupid uh, D&D-themed cleric deck where it takes forever just for the computer to go through all the combos each turn. Uh, this one is samurai-themed, which is interesting because the samurai in uh, Neon Dynasty, they get a, they have a bunch of self-reinforcing abilities, kind of like the slivers from ye old magic back in the day, uh, where each one that you add to the table adds something to everybody else, but it only functions if one samurai attacks at a time, which leads to some interesting scenarios because often you'll find the other player, they're kind of in a spot of like, do I just take this damage to the face or do I potentially use something valuable to block this one big thing when I know it's just going to come back next turn? So that's been pretty interesting. And I did my best to try and recreate an actual paper version of that deck since maybe someday I'll get to go back to Friday Night Magic and try that deck out again. Um, mostly it's made up of really cool alternative art cards. Um from the Neon Dynasty set where they hired uh, anime and manga artists to do the art, so they actually have really cool cards. Um, the magic art style is one that I'm not, like, super hot on. Every once in a while, there's a card that I'm like, okay, that art's really cool. Uh, but the anime and manga-themed cards, those are, those are really awesome, so I'm excited for those. Uh, played some Blood Bowl and got my ass absolutely handed to me by the Skaven. Yeah, you did. My elf bullshit was not able to overcome uh, rat bullshit. <laughs> oh, those rats. And then I got my 3D printer mostly kind of dialed in and seemed to be having really good results with it. I ran a calibration test, which told me that my exposure settings were too low which was strange because I had my exposures were already running for like eight seconds. And if you go on like the forums and stuff like that, you'll see people who are exposing for maybe like two seconds up to four seconds and anything over than that is overexposed. But I had to crank mine up to 10 seconds. And after that stopped getting all the weird support failures and started getting really crisp details and, Previously, my exposure had been set to eight seconds, and it was like a night and day difference between a model that I did at eight seconds versus one at 10 seconds. So I don't know what's up with that. I am probably lessening the lifespan of my screen, but whatever. Um, I just need to clean it because the FEP on the bat has a little bit of a leak. So it uh, started to leak on the screen last night. So I had to tear everything down and I'll probably clean it up either today or tomorrow so hooray for 3d printing hooray so my weekend hobby i only had one set of DD sessions over the last two weeks because uh well holiday week we're taking time off uh and in them the players did some stuff it wasn't as exciting as perhaps some of their other ones recently uh my wednesday group uh, returned to Sharn, where they had a somewhat uncomfortable conversation with one of the player's parents and oh their sibling, um, and sort of started setting up the next big plot arc. Uh, they also went to an auction house to sell the Vorpal short sword that they had 
found um, because, well, none of them are real sword users. <laughs> it's a bard, a cleric, and an artificer, and the short sword doesn't really fit any of their styles. I mean, so they're selling it sounds it. like artificers should be able to use a short sword. Oh, they can, and so can bards, but the artificer is a blasty artificer. They, um, mm. they have a crossbow that is super good. They've cranked all the... They, they're, they're, they're primarily using that crossbow. Uh, they're range damage. Uh, Sounds like he needs a sword gun. It's a gun that shoots swords, Frank. Um, the bard is also kind of uh, more more ranged-ish. They're, you know, support casting. And the cleric is a... I'm not going to say pacifist, but refuses to kill anyone. Um, which makes a Vorpal Sword not the weapon of choice. Yeah, not really. Because um, you can just... Whoop, oh, I'm sorry, that was your head. Whoopsie-daisy, it's, it's a bit sharp. Vorpal Swords do not do not offer the ability to do non-lethal damage. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Uh... So, yeah, so they negotiated that sale. Effectively, the deal was they could either, like, take an auction, and I would do a whole thing with there being, like, an auction house plot, and maybe the swords get stolen, and maybe they have to trace somebody down, and then they can try to, like, drive up the price and then get a bunch of money, or the auction house would give them, would essentially buy it from them to resell themselves, and they'd each get a set amount of gold and a lesser and another magic item of lesser value. They picked the second option. Because mm-hmm. um, just being able to choose a rare magic item seemed pretty good for them. Items, please. Yes. Um, so that was them. There, no combat, just a lot of role-playing. Uh, the other group entered into the Mornland um, via boat. I had some issues traveling through the dead gray mists and ended up in some sand dunes, still in the boat. Not um, how boats work. How, how, how they managed to uh, paddle through the sand is a question for, you know, question for whatever created the dead gray mists. Uh, they did some tracking, uh, didn't find the people they had been following, but found some what looked like warforged footprints. Oh boy. Tracked that back to a village that the warforged seemed to be, like, disassembling for components or parts or something. And then, um, as they were trying to negotiate with the warforged, they said a certain name and all of the... Uh, living lightning bolt spells that were like crawling around in the canyons of the area turned and immediately headed towards them. Literally triggered. Yeah, you you may have messed that one up. Uh, so that's where they are. They had to fight those, uh, which weren't as tough as they might have thought. The living lightning bolt spell. Um, I mean, obviously it's immune to lightning damage. But it doesn't have crazy high AC and it doesn't have crazy high hit points. It's a glass lightning cannon. 
Um, plus, a good chunk of them had stuff that gave them resistance to lightning damage and such. So it wasn't the most dangerous combat they've been in. I mean, honestly, if you really wanted to throw your players for a loop, should have done a lightning bolt that is resistant to everything but lightning bolt. They'll never see it coming. They would never see it coming, yes. They just kept making weird spellcasting choices, like uh, the hypnotic sigil or whatever. <laughs> Quick, um, hypnotize the lightning bolt. Yeah, that was the thought. Like, oh, I'll just cast this and, like, charm a bunch of lightning bolts and immobilize them in place. And it's like, they're lightning bolts. They are immune to charm. <laughs> like, they cannot be charmed. They, they're they literally just magic. There's no brain there. There's no personality. They don't understand language. You, like... Um, I don't know. That sounds like pure D&D to me. Yeah, it, it was... Bit, pretty solid um the uh yeah that was basically that and that one ended with them finishing off the lightning bolts and getting ready to negotiate with the warforged who definitely aren't working for the lord of blades oh wait yeah they are damn warforged can't trust him well it's fine the lord of blades is not the main villain in this story so um his stuff, while morally questionable, isn't enough for the party to really interfere. Not when they have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> um, and, you know, I played some Dwarf Fortress. Losing is fun. We'll talk about Dwarf Fortress. Like I said, two weeks, I think, we'll do our Dwarf Fortress episode. Uh, and I played some Blood Bowl. I lost my final match in the tournament I was in and ended up coming in third place with a 2 one Record for my Skaven team. Boo, Skaven. Yay, Skaven. Uh, yeah, uh, it was a pretty solid tournament overall. I don't think any of my Skaven were killed in that final game, which was very impressive, and only two of them were injured, and it was pretty light injuries. So uh, for uh, going up against a much higher tier undead team, that was pretty solid, honestly. I am hoping also, that for uh, Blood Bowl 3, they decide to do a uh, Dungeon Bowl mode. That would be pretty sweet to have a Dungeon Bowl setting. Uh, they might do something where it's a DLC, though. That would be my guess. Yeah, it feel, it, it's like, you know, DLC-level content. Yeah, I mean, it is a lot of content. Um, and yeah, that's been, oh, I guess... For Christmas, I got a couple of board games as well, but that's not really a major thing. So, with the weekend hobby out of the way, let's talk magic systems. So, magic systems in games have been a staple of the genre since, uh, well, fantasy games. Uh, having the existence of magic as part of your thing is really solid and it you know it's what makes fantasy fantasy if you don't have magic it's historical fiction or like alternative history historical fiction or i guess technically low fantasy but even that has some amount of magic usually yeah um and obviously you're gonna draw from folklore and historical sources and different magic 
things that show up in legends and myth. Uh, Norse runes or um, various elemental themed stuff from Eastern or Greek uh, philosophies. Or, you know, alchemy and its combination of different things or like the concept of summoning devils or whatever. And this leads to the concept of there being three essentially categories of magical systems in fantasy. And this is my own thoughts on this issue. It's not like drawn from anywhere specific. But the three categories are elementalist, spiritualist, and arcanist. And these are basically broken down into sort of the source and the style of the magic. Elementalist is magic that is based on elements. Uh, the Perhaps the best and most obvious example of this in pop culture is Avatar The Last Airbender and the rest of that series, where the supernatural abilities that people have are based on the four classical elements, earth, fire, air, water, and using those elements. Uh, you get earthbenders and airbenders and firebenders and waterbenders and the avatar who can do it all. But the same sort of thing of using elements is thrown into a bunch of different fantasy settings, into a bunch of games of different types, and it doesn't just have to be the four classical elements. There are other ones that use, um, you know, might have ice as an element or lightning as an element um i'd even go so far as to say things like the mistborn series by brandon sanderson where the powers are defined by the metals that people use to fuel their magical power to fuel their supernatural abilities are an elementalist system because it is a clean divide between what sort of you use item a to give you power a you use item b to give you power b and it's all linked and very sort of structured can i pick uranium as my metal uh not in that system they have some like magical metals but for example um iron and steel were two of the metals and iron pulls and steel pushes so if you can use iron you can push off of metal objects. Um, <laughs> Magnetism. If you can use steel, you can pull metal objects. If you can use both of them, you can basically, like, one of the characters essentially flies by throwing horseshoes <laughs> and uh, pushing and pulling off of them. It It's pretty... I have to say, the Mistborn books are really good and provide a very detailed and very intricate world building with a magical system and i would consider it an elementalist system um if you haven't read them they're a good place to start on a uh, side note here um, my my innocence has officially been lost uh my fortress was invaded by goblins oh poor yep. goblins the first of many losses yeah um so the next one is spiritualist magic and this is essentially any magic where, or any style of magic where the person doing the magic is drawing on 
an outside power that has some form of personality, consciousness, doesn't have to be sentient, but where you're using some other power to fuel your things. And a lot of times you have to make a deal or you have to like summon a spirit or talk to somebody who's giving you the magic power you want. Uh, warlocks, warlocks and D&D are essentially using spiritualist magic. All of their magic power comes from somebody else that they have to talk to. Uh, in pop culture, although it's weird to call it a magic system, I would say Pokemon is basically spiritualist magic. Because all of your abilities are done using your summoned pets. Yeah, Pokemon is weird. Uh, there's actually... I guess you'd call it a fan theory, but basically that the thing that differentiates an animal from a Pokemon is that Pokemon are able to change energy into matter and vice versa. And that that's what defines a Pokemon versus an animal. That would sort of make sense. Although they kind of got away from having animals in Pokemon after some of the early generations. Yeah. Bring um, back the animals. Yeah, the, that one person who had an actual cat. Yep. And I guess there was a field of cows in one episode of, like, the first season of Pokemon that were just normal cows and not Pokemon cows. Um, yeah, but let's not let's not delve into the lore of... the deep lore of the Pokemon universe. That's a whole nother episode <laughs> or something. Um, but suffice to say, an L a spiritualist system is one where you draw on the power of another source and use that to do your magic a lot of times this is you know oh the elves draw upon the power of the nature spirits in order to heal people or to summon trees or whatever um this is a classic of priests clerics warlocks uh summoners all of that would be spiritualists um again dungeons and dragons has quite a few classes that would be considered, you know, spiritualist in terms of their magical type. Um, and a lot of historical uh, and mythological magic is spiritualist when you have to, you know, call upon the gods or uh, summon a spirit or something. Uh, the hoodoo voodoo stuff is very much, you know, spiritualist in that you are making contracts with the Loa or the other um, beings of their mythology. Uh, so it's, a lot of times it's tied into that sort of context. Uh, and the last one is Arcanist magic. And Arcanist magic is your classic wizard in a tower. Uh, the best pop culture arcanist example is harry potter they have magic the source of it is magic and you cast it by saying specific words and making specific gestures with tools uh wands for example they cast the levitation spell by saying the pseudo latin and flicking the wand in a specific way uh arcanist magic is essentially magic exists you can use it, and you have to do something specific. You know, there is some sort of formula or mental setup or set of tools that you have to do to create the effect that you want. Uh, the exact nature of what those tools are and how you have to do that 
varies depending on the setting and depending on the book and genre and all that. But Arcanist magic is magic exists and you have to do certain things in order to make it work. Uh, most of the arcane casters in Dungeons and Dragons, your wizards, your sorcerers, um, your other, your artificers and such would be considered arcanists in this like categorization system. Um, as would, you know, classical wizards, Gandalf is a question as to whether he's a wizard was... or a cleric, because he's technically a... I'm going to go ahead and call Gandalf an arcanist, <laughs> just for... Yeah, it's going to be like, uh, that one's that one's complicated. Yeah, Gandalf's a complicated character, but as far as we know, just seeing the Lord of the Rings and not getting into any of the supplementary material, he's an arcanist. Aha. Um... And I would say that those three sort of classifications for types of magic and setting magic are just, you know, that's how you lock it down. Um, pretty much anything can be divided into one of those three categories. Either elemental powers or spirits, or spirits, summoned entities, whatever, or magic as something that you do by performing certain actions or certain um, utilizing certain tools. Um, so those are the three general categories, I would say, of magical systems in lore and in fiction. But, of course, this is a podcast about games. So in games... Magic systems kind of are... Well, there's four general types of these. Um, and they're just off the top of the head. Magic points, skill limited, spell slots, and then the fourth one is hybrid, where you mix at least two, possibly all three of the others. Um, magic points are very straightforward. It's used in video games a lot. It's where you have MP or mana or whatever, where you have a pool of power that represents how much you can energy you can use to cast spells. And each spell has a amount of mana or magic points or whatever that it costs to cast. Um, you can do things to increase that pool of magic or decrease that pool of magic or like make spells cheaper to cast or more expensive to cast to do, do more damage or whatever. Essentially the concept is that you have a set pool of magical power and that you spend that magical power in increments, usually integers to cast spells. And those spells go off pretty much straight up, whatever, as long as you have enough magic to cast them. Um, the next one and, okay, and examples of this are pretty much every video game. Yep. Um, it's very common in video games. It's also in a lot of classic uh, fantasy role-playing games. Stuff like Grups uses it, Tunnels and Trolls, Rollmaster. It's not the most common in tabletop games although i actually kind of like it because i feel like you can do some i feel like it has a 
stronger mechanical feel to it, and I would recommend that Pathfinder 3rd Edition really adopts magic points, because that feels like it would be more in tune with Pathfinder's crunchiness than the spell slot system. I'm not entirely sure about Age of Sigmar, but I do remember in uh, Warhammer Fantasy, you would get a certain number of spell dice each turn. Yep. And you could roll, you could roll the dice, and you could try and you know cast a spell on one That's dice. But it's not, not a magic point system. That you... is a skill limited system, which is the next one we're talking about. A skill-limited magic system has skills, essentially, that you have that are what you use to cast magic, and that you have to make a skill check in order to cast a spell. That is the primary spell limitation. Um, in this case, in something like uh, Age of the Warhammer games, you have, to, you have a limited number of dice, but you have to make a skill check in order to cast that spell. So it's almost like a hybrid. It, yeah, it is more of a hybrid, but its core mechanic is the skill limited because you have to make a check in order to cast the spell. And the number of dice you have is more of a push your luck mechanic on how many of those spells you can cast per um, turn. Got it. Um, skill limited spells sometimes do stuff where uh, you... The difficulty of the skill check you're making is dependent upon what you're doing with the magic, or if you've cast a bunch of spells recently, it's harder and gets harder the more you cast, or in different other combinations. Uh, sometimes there are different skills for casting different types of spells. Um, you might have a easy time with casting, say, a healing spell, and a hard time with casting, say, a um, fireball spell. Mm -hmm. uh, Frostgrave is skill limited. Uh, in Frostgrave's case, each individual spell that your wizard knows is its own skill. But in order to cast any of them, you have to make a skill check. Yep. Um, so it's a great example of a skill limited system because you can know almost all the spells in the game if your wizard is good enough. Um... But to cast them, you're not limited by magic points at all. You you just can only cast one per turn, and you have to make a skill check to do it. There's no spell slots. You can cast the same spell over and over. You just have a once-per-turn limit. Um, and the last one, and the one that is probably most familiar to the average person, because it's the one Dungeons & Dragons uses, is spell slots. Um, which are essentially that you know a certain number of spells or that you can cast a certain number of spells in a given day or a given time period. Um, sometimes in classic D&D, you had to re-memorize those spells. You would only know X amount of spells per day and they were pre-memorized and once you used them, they were gone. Wait a That's... minute, I forgot, my, I forgot my fireball spell, damn it. And you have to re-memorize it by reading a book. This is Nerd. pulling... Basically, this pulled real heavily from the fantasy works of Jack Vance, um, which is why it's oftentimes called Vancean magic, or Vanakin magic, because um, Gary Gygax really liked those books. Um, that's that's the entire reason for this being so popular, I would say. 
is Gygax liked this book system, uh, and so it was reasonable for him to adapt it into his magic, into the way he wanted magic to be done in his game. Uh, essentially, the core mechanic is that you have a limited number of slots that you can use to cast spells. Uh, those slots may be, like, in different categories as, like, higher level, lower level, belonging to a specific type of spell or a specific spell entirely. You might always be able to cast one spell of this thing. Um, but your limitation is slots is you can only cast x number of spells per day and you have to kind of pick and choose which ones you're going to use um dungeons and dragons is the classic for this uh hackmaster also uses a version of this the pathfinder games uh pathfinder and starfinder are you know spin-offs from dungeons and dragons essentially so they also use spell slots it's um and it's used in video games that are based or themed around Dungeons and Dragons a lot of times. Yep. Uh, the Baldur's Gate series. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of spell slots, and I would argue that the best quality of life change that Dungeons and Dragons can make in the next edition, or D&D &D 1, or whatever they're going to call it, is just changing the name of spell levels to something else. Um, so that your spells are now tiers, so that you have first tier spells, second tier spells, third tier spells, etc. So that I don't have to deal with new players going, I'm a level three wizard. Why can't I cast level three spells? I feel like the only change that's going to come to D&D one in terms of the magic system is that you're going to start off with a single spell slot and for a uh, $1.99, you can buy a second one. <sighs> I hate you because it's true. <laughs> um, no, my core concept is that you just really need to clean up the terminology a little bit so that levels are only used when talking about player level and that spells get some other word to determine what how strong they are, whether it be tiers or ranks or circles or something, just anything. Pick another word so that new players don't get confused and go, how come my ninth level wizard can't cast ninth level spells? I want to use Wish. Because fuck you, that's why. Because D&D &D is bad at naming this sort of stuff. That's why. Um, that's an easy cleanup, and I think they should just go for it. It wouldn't even... You wouldn't have to change anything in the game except for, you know, levels are now tiers. When you do a higher... When you want to upcast a spell, you cast it at a higher tier. Like, uh, it's a find and replace problem. Um, that That's really the whole part of it. It's it's dumb. Well uh, and then, of course, me. the last one is hybrid system. Hybrid systems combine magic points, skill limited, and spell slots. Uh, like we said, with the Warhammer games, the way you cast spells in that is skill limited in that you have to pass a check to cast it um and in some cases it's also sort of a magic point system in that you have a number of dice and you can choose how many you're going to use or how many like you want in order to cast different spells um 
systems like Mage the Ascension use a similar skill-limited system where you have to cast spells by rolling dice on a skill, but you can spend your uh, magic resource, whatever it's called, uh, Quintessence, maybe? I don't know. Um, I can't um, remember. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've read those books. You can spend your magical resource in order to lower how difficult that skill roll is going to be. Um, there are a whole bunch of other ones that, you know, do that sort of thing. Weirdly enough, um, Dungeons and Dragons sorcerers with their meta magic points are almost a hybrid system because they can use their magical points to alter how their spell slots are cast. Um, the fact that they're the only one who get to do that kind of makes it not a fully hybrid system, but it's something to consider. Um, and there are loads of other games that are hybrid. Um, honestly, I'd say that hybrid is probably the most common in terms of like total number of games. Uh, in terms of games that are actually played, it's spell slots because Dungeons & Dragons has a something of a stranglehold on the fantasy gaming industry. Dungeons & Dragons did it. Yes, Dungeons like & Dragons did joke it. from South Park. <laughs> About The Simpsons, yes. Uh, yeah. So, that's magical systems in games, and in... And previously, we talked about magical systems in fantasy stories... Ed, your thoughts. What are some magical systems you might want to talk about or mention or that we can discuss and figure out where they fall into this categorization? Mm -hmm. I can't really think of any off the top of my head. For some reason, the only thing that comes into my brain is uh, like superpowers as almost like a modern mythology version of magic um well let's talk about some superheroes then uh dr strange is typically an arcanist magic exists uh in the movies they call it like dimensional energy but we're just going to call it magic because it's magic um and to access it you have to do certain things um it's not tied to any elements it's not tied to other beings that you have to like make deals or compacts with although you can it seems like uh but yeah it's uh, something that exists and it's something that you do certain things to use uh this is expanded upon in the wandavision series because scarlet witch and the other witches um she's a witch uh, <laughs> like use magic in her case chaos magic and the grimoire of the dark hold in order to do shit and you have to do specific things, and there are rules and limitations because magic is not fully all-powerful. Um, we also can see stuff like the witch, the runes that the witches have, you know, where the spell only the spells of the witch who cast the runes work in the area. Blah blah blah. The big reveal at the end of One Division. Um, that's not the big reveal. That's just the like twist that you see coming a mile away. Spoilers for WandaVision, I guess. <laughs> um, but the concept is that they are primarily Arcanists. Uh, the same is true for, in DC, Zatanna, who casts her spells by saying what she wants to happen backwards. 
Um, Constantine, John Constantine of the DC Vertigo, is usually an arcanist, but also sometimes he's more of a, a spiritualist because a lot of his magic is done by tricking or cajoling or bribing various supernatural beings into doing the thing that he wants. Yeah, that was um, that was the vibe that I was going to say. It's not quite arcane. It's more, more of the spiritual shenanigans. Well, the thing is, he is oftentimes shown to have or use arcane magic. He just prefers to get somebody else to do the work for him. Too lazy, you do it. Yeah, or, or of course, there's always that thing where, you know, magic requires a cost, uh, which is true in some but not all settings and some but not all stories. And if so, in his case, I think he's convinced that magic requires a cost and he much would prefers other people paying that cost. Bro, he, don't be a dick. You're telling John Constantine not to be a dick. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's not going to work out, man. That That is one of his core defining character traits, is being a dick. Um, other superheroes um, that do magic... Uh, da, 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 da. Thor. Magic from the X-Men uh, is, I guess, a spiritualist because she travels through hell. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not an X-Men fan. But you could say that a lot of the X-Men are elementalists. Uh, Bobby Drake, Iceman, is essentially an elemental power thing. A lot of X-Men powers are essentially can be classified under elementalist because they do one very specific thing with, you know, pretty specific rules. Um, Colossus and his, you know, metal skin, that's kind of, you know, elemental metal or elemental earth or whatever. Um, Cyclops's optic blasts are elemental energy control, um, as it's, the exact nature of them is questionable, but he has one specific power that he gets, and that's his thing, and that's sort of an elemental thing. Um, Pokemon, again, the beings that are summoned are spiritualist, uh, the use of the beings puts it into spiritualist in terms of, like, magical style. Uh, but the actual mechanics are more along the lines of Elementalist because it's a big rock-paper-scissors game with different elements. I and, want I want my magical you know, rock. Different move sets. Um, uh, other magical systems worth talking about. Um... Yeah, unfortunately, can't really think of that many others off the top of my head that you haven't already covered. Uh, Warhammer 40k. The psychic powers vary between being um, arcanist, arcanist and spiritualist. Um, essentially, most of the ones that are just psychic powers uh, that are fairly low tier are arcanist. Um, you are using specific things within your mind in order to trigger an ability. You're not generally, like, summoning fire or rock or whatever. You're just... You're, you're doing specific patterns and specific... using specific tools and implements 
in order to trigger an effect. The higher tier stuff tends towards uh, spiritualism because, well, you're summoning demons. Or you're getting demons to carry messages through the warp for you, or you... It's mostly just demons. Um, just demons all the way down. I mean, that's chaos stuff. You capture it for chaos because, you know, you're going to summon a demon there. Yep. Um, so, that's your 40k stuff. The Eldar, again, use a mixture of Arcanism and Spiritualism because some of their psychic powers are just straight psychic powers, but also... Part of their technology involves capturing the souls of the dead and using them in their robots. They magic so hard, they destroy their civilization. Yes. Well, also, the thing about that, capturing the souls of the dead and using them in their robots, sounds terrible, but that's just because you don't know what the afterlife that's waiting for them is. It is preferable to be used in the combat robot than it is to go to the afterlife. Well, Considering that they worship a chaos god, that might be the right call. Well, no, no, the... Okay, the gods they worshipped are not the chaos gods, unless you're Dark Eldar. Uh, the gods they worshipped existed before the chaos gods, and a bunch of them got fucked and killed, or captured sometimes, uh, when the chaos god when they partied so hard that they created Slanesh, and the chaos gods got much stronger very suddenly. Party! Um, essentially, if an Eldar dies and there's no soul stone nearby to capture their soul, uh, they get pulled into the warp and Slanesh feasts on them. Mm, tasty souls. So the Eldar in 40k, those gems they use are soul stones so that when they die, they get pulled into a rock. And then that rock can be like magically linked to other rocks so they can still chat with people or it can be used to power the Wraith Guard and the various other... Um, items that are around and essentially allow them to incarnate in combat robots or other things. Hmm. Sounds Um, weirdly Necron-ish. Well, it's weirdly... It's not Necron-ish because the Necrons had other reasons for doing their shit. It's essentially like, if you die as an Eldar, it is preferable to have necromancy done on your soul than to end up in everlasting torture pleasure hell um because slanesh is you know yeah my 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 dude slanesh i don't i don't know i assume they use all pronouns i'm going with dude this time yes uh they they them slanesh yes um also he him also she her also other pronouns um, yeah. All the pronouns that are going to make the weirdos mad. That's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. Um, makes corn mad. Back in my <laughs> day, we only had one pronoun and it was dead. <laughs> the only pronouns corn uh, recognizes are were, was. Yeah, that seems about right. Um, and Grandfather Nurgle... I guess uses he hims because he is grandfather Nurgle, but also he doesn't care about your pronouns because Nurgle loves everybody. Because Nurgle loves everybody, and the only reason he cares about gender is because that's a better way to spread STDs. That is true. Um. 
Yeah. Uh, let's see. Other magical systems. What have we got? Um... Are you are you talking like? Uh, I guess I should have clarified this beforehand. But are you talking uh, like universe specific magical systems or like game mechanic specific? Both. Uh, the Force in Star Wars is Arcanist. Um, though some of the Force magic stuff can almost be spiritualist, but it, it's primarily Arcanist. You have to... Honestly, no. The Force is spiritualist. It is an energy field created by all living things, and you have to tap into it to use it. Yep. There's no like mechanical tools that are used to bind it to do anything. Nobody ever builds a, like, force lightning gun. The most you get is lightsabers, which non-magical people can still use. Um, they're just better if you use the force. So yeah, the force is spiritualist. And I think the further um, material outside of just the films... Uh, Stuff like the Clone Wars, the Rebels cartoon, um, and so on would kind of agree with me on this because the, the will of the Force is a thing that gets brought up. It hungers. Well, that the, the dark side calls to you because it's an easy path and it blah, blah, blah. And that the light side, if you're in tune with it, can sort of push you to do certain things that will help people. It's why getting the Jedi is so easy to like trick them because they're always going to try and stop and help that person. The, and then the uh, person comes at him with a knife. I've got a uh, collect call from the dark side. Do you accept the charges? It depends. Are you fearful or anger or hatred? Uh, in my case, probably anger. Well, okay. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hatred. Hatred leads to the dark side. Well, I do hate the Nazis, so does that make me a Sith? No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, but as we know, only Sith deal in absolutes. This is true. Which is an absolute. But, um... <laughs> never mind that. So yeah, magic systems in games and in fantasy. If you have questions about them hit us up on social media. We're happy to discuss, and I'm happy to argue with anyone about whether a magic system is arcanist, spiritualist, or elementalist. That's Good my, times with nerds. That is my personal, like, categorization system. And I think it does a pretty good job of covering all, all the types of magic. Um, stuff can sort of wobble between them a little, but, you know... There's not a... I can't think of anything that lies outside of these. Um, Nothing that I've I read, can think of. And I've read a lot of fantasies. So, uh... I feel like I would I would have spotted it. What about Dune? Uh... Dune is not a fantasy series. You wouldn't consider it science fantasy? I mean, I guess, except the... One can argue that the supernatural powers in it are technological in nature, um, for the most part. And as such, 
they fall under categories of technology and the like rather than under magic. Fair enough. Um, it All of the powers in Dune come from an internal source of something, whether it's using spice to unlock your mental powers or whatever. All the energy is internal rather than external, and it's kind of science-y. Um, yeah. I need, the, uh, I need the spice. Yeah, and all of their abilities are strictly mental, which, again, kind of keeps it out of the range of magic. Um, with, with, I guess, except... It's hard to know if the navigators are actually the ones folding space to make their faster-than-light travel work, or if they're simply navigating the machines that fold space. I think they're navigating the machines that fold space. Yeah, it's... Again, the original books, the core books, don't really explain that. It's supplemental material of questionable... Uh, don't question it. <laughs> look, if it was written by What's-His-Face, I'm going to question it. Uh, Kevin J. Anderson? Yes. I will question anything he writes, because I do not care for his works, for the most part. Um, IG-88 did not take over the Death Star. Yes, he did, damn it. Shut up. He Tales slammed the, the door Hunter. in the Emperor's face. It was fine. Tales of the Bounty Hunters is non-canon! <laughs> we know how... Uh, we know what happened to Boba Fett after uh, he got swallowed, and it did not involve Dengar. I don't think I remember much about uh, the Boba Fett story in that one. Uh, he crawls out of the Sarlacc, and Dengar picks him up. Yeah. I, I think there was a little more to it than that, but that was the core core point. Um, Lame. But also, I don't think he was a clone in that. So, again, non-canon. Non-canonical. Non-canon! Um, and I think that's about it. So, magic systems. There are three general types for, like, determining the style of the magic system, and four general types for determining the, like, mechanics of a magic system. Um, and if you want to argue about them, hit us up on social media. Woo! But before we finish up, we have a segment on this podcast called Board Game Corner. And today we're talking about Trails, published in 2021. It's a parks game, uh, by, what, Keymaster, I think is the game company. Um, basically it's based off that National Parks game that we've previously talked about, it's a sort of lighter, speedy version that's just about um, hiking trails. Uh, it's got some cool components. It's got some cool features. The basic gist is that you hike back and forth along the trail, collecting various items, taking pictures, encountering wildlife, and you have to return to the trailhead in order to actually score these things. So you can I mean, either do a long hike and collect a lot of things, or do short hikes and, you know, score your points more rapidly. I mean, if you don't return to the trailhead at the end of your hike, you you technically have lost the hike because you are dead. I mean, it could be a through hike. You know, if you... you Touche, good sir. You, you don't have to come back to where you started if you have someone else, like, picking you up at the far end. Um... And then at the end of the trail, like, it it takes place over a certain number of, essentially, like, 
turns that are hours in the day, and then at the end of the trail, night falls, you get a few, like, last chance things to do stuff as the sun is setting, and then when it goes dark, you basically just total up your points, and that's the end of the game. Uh, it's very pretty, like the Parks game, because it's based on artwork for the national parks. And it has some pretty solid components. Um, I got it for Christmas. I have not actually played it yet, but I think it looks like a really good, quick game. It supposedly has a playing time of like 20 to 40 minutes, so that's probably half hour to 45. Um, yeah, I would say it seems pretty solid. I'll play it and let people know how it goes. Yeah, boy. Trails! <laughs> um, so, that is our episode, Magic Systems. Woo! As always, like, subscribe, etc., etc., do the things, give us connections, and tell other people to listen to the show. Uh, follow us on social media. We are at Noel Country on Twitter, though I think we're trying to avoid Twitter as it collapses. It'll be funny to watch that happen in the new year. I'll uh, do my um, we'll best to try and get our Elon... Twitter banned. I mean, I am very much tempted to go and, like, shout mean things at Elon Musk on Twitter. I mean, uh, I did ask... if we can get us banned. I did ask if the Lost Mines of Fandelver were Emerald Mines. Nobody cared, though. Yeah, that's too niche. You gotta be like, hey, Elon Musk, uh, here's that photo of you before you got your hair plugs done. Because <laughs> that gets you banned instantly. Hey, Elon, how's uh, how's that Tesla stock doing? Hey, Elon, I hear Grimes is dating someone else now. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. Next time you launch your car into space, make sure you're sitting in the front seat. Um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, follow us on Instagram, where we're just Knoll Country. Woo! Uh, that one's run by a different evil billionaire, but one who's not running his stuff into the ground. Mostly. Um... Yep, that's where or, I post, post all of my stuff at Animadness on Instagram. You can see all of my weird shenanigans there. Yeah, or um, I guess track us down on Steam or Discord where we're not going to tell you our personal profiles. You'll Never. have to do some detective work. Um, and then like let us know that you hate our podcast there. Um, Ed, anything you want to say? Uh, go Knowles. Yes, go Knowles, and Happy New Year. Woo, New Year.